Welcome back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And this is an episode about confidence. Something Josh and I do not have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing about something that happened 10 seconds ago. Josh doesn't even have confidence in introducing the podcast. That's how bad it is. Yes. (laughs) I just, I feel like you just do it so well that I was going to let you just do it again. That's the definition of lack of confidence. (laughs) All right. In addition to confidence, we're talking about imposter syndrome and smoke and mirrors as a writer. And I think this goes across all areas of the entertainment industry, but especially as a writer. And I feel like so many people we know all feel like they've had imposter syndrome at some point in time, right? Yeah. I feel like it's a weekly experience for me. And we're going to talk about that. And also, I feel like when you're a writer, you know, you have to have confidence in what you're doing because we both know that if at some point you're you're kind of displaying um, some insecurity about a story that you're writing or a decision that you're making, people latch onto that and they kind of lose, lose faith in you. And I feel like we need to kind of talk about that and then also talk about the ego of when like when to kind of back down from one of your ideas and because maybe you're latched onto it because you know it's a passion idea it's something that you just don't want to change who knows i think yeah. we've all been there i feel like you just pitched a, a three-act structure for confidence one is imposter syndrome that's act one when you're just mm-hmm. low and you don't think you can pull it off and then act two is smoke and mirrors where you you are confident and that's a selling point for you and you're you're jiving and everyone feels it in the room. And then three is ego. You've gone too far. <laughs> Come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I um I saw it on a Tony Robbins cast when I was watching about lack of confidence. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true, by the way. Not true. <laughs> All right, Tasha, what's imposter syndrome? Let's start there. It's where I live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, imposter syndrome is something that is obviously not restricted to just writing, but I feel like almost always 99.9% of writers do feel it. Um, it's the sense that you feel like an imposter in the room. Like at any moment, someone is going to notice that you cannot handle this job, that you are way in over your head. You don't know what you're doing. You can't write. Oh my gosh, why are they trusting you to, to write a feature or a TV show? You're just a kid with ideas and you're stupid. <laughs> That's where imposter Boom. syndrome lives. Um, everyone has that. Fucks with you. Yes, everyone has it. And at every level, there are producers who have it as well. Like they they don't feel like they belong in the room and they're really scared when they give a note because they think they're going to sound stupid. So it happens at every level. We don't care about those people. We only care about yeah. the writers. Um, but if you feel it, please know that every single person feels it as well. And I guess the question is, how do you get over it? What do you do about it as a writer? As anyone. Are we just talking about writers? Are we just talking about human beings at this point? I think this is the the episode where it merges. Oh, God. Now it's just a philosophy podcast. I mean, for me, and like I said, it's almost a weekly thing where it's sometimes it's just like a pinprick of imposter syndrome. Um, Sure. 
but it still happens. And I think like with everything in life, um, the more you experience things and, and the better you get at this job and just the longer you're in it, the smaller that imposter syndrome is until you kind of can stamp it out. But I feel like even at the highest levels, it still exists. I think, I mean, when you hear interviews about big time directors and producers, like they'll often talk about like moments of self-doubt where they didn't think they could pull it off. Um, right. So I think it's just always there, but it's my, my answer, I guess, would just be experience and knowing that gaining confidence is going to be part of your journey. And it's something you have to actively work on. Yeah. It's just over time. You had you just kind of deal with it over time, right? Like that's the only way, unless you're an incredibly confident individual who comes in and like, I don't have imposter syndrome. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. That's great. Do you know anyone like that besides like narcissistic psychopaths? No, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've met people like that at some point, but maybe they were just projecting an image in which they wanted to be. Well, I think that is really interesting because obviously people do that. And when I look at you, particularly when you pitch something, I feel like you're just exuding confidence. And Boom. thank you. I mean, the fact that this episode was your idea <laughs> says that like <laughs> there is some kind of level of actually, no, the confidence is a bit of a smoke and mirrors to an extent. Not to call you out. <laughs> yeah. First of all, that, that just cut to my core and... Um, <laughs> I guess I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I guess I'm not saying I do this, but I've definitely heard people over time talk about, like they look at themselves as brands, right? Where you're like, I need to kind of project this certain individual that I want to be. And people can just dial into it and say, this is what I'm going to do for one hour. You know, I'm going to pitch something. I'm going to be in a room with someone. And this is the individual I'm going to be like a, like a mental Sasha case. Fierce. Sasha freaking fierce. Yes. And so everyone turns into Sasha fierce and maybe uh, after a while, Sasha fierce is who you become. I think that's actually really smart. Um, I, gosh, just thinking about how imposter syndrome affects your work. Like for me, particularly when I first started, it was very much alive whenever I'd have to go into a room to pitch anything. And whether it was a formal pitch or I was just meeting with producers who wanted to talk about ideas, I was always just overcome with this overwhelming sense that they're going to know that I'm stupid. They're just going to, they're going to find out <laughs> and they're sure. going to kick me out of this room. And sure. I think over time I had to realize no, I am smart. I do understand the way writing works, but I just don't think that I do. And so it, there was some aspect of tricking myself into going into rooms with confidence, which took a very long time and I still haven't mastered it. But one of the techniques I would use would be meditation as much as Josh hey. makes fun of me for not meditating. Um, uh -huh. Whenever I like five, 10 minutes before going into a room, if, when I'm sitting in a lobby um, waiting for everyone, I would, uh, click on <laughs> the okay. app on my phone and I would just like listen to that or in the car before I go up to the, to the waiting room to just like sure. calm my breathing. And cause w once my, my heart starts beating real fast and I get in my head about things, it's over. So if I right. can just like put a stopper on that before I get into the room, then that at least helps me a little bit. So that's one way I was able to combat it at an early stage. Yeah. I guess just over time, you just have to get used to it. Yeah. 
And I'd be curious, like, what you do to stop the nerves, because I think over time you find ways that work for you, um, because the nerves are really like the backbone of imposter syndrome, because it's all just yeah. these like fake thoughts going on in your head telling you you're not good enough, which happens across all aspects of our life, but in writing can just really start kicking up. So there are definitely mechanisms you can put in place to sort of stop that from happening. For me, it was meditation and this kind of like not full Sasha Fierce just because I don't have that ability to act <laughs> inside of yeah, me yeah. to just like separate myself, but to like kind of give myself a pep talk in my own brain of like, you got this, you're smart, you can handle this, you're here for a reason, even if I didn't believe it at the moment. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it sounds so lame to say, but that just like reminding yourself that life is really short and you're gonna die probably pretty soon is always a really good reminder for me to just kind of be like, well, fuck it. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it all out here and see what happens because if I don't, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. I think that is actually a really great way of thinking about it. Like, that's <laughs> the way you let go, right? I mean, that's something therapists try and teach you <laughs> forever <laughs> is, is learn to let go. There's a fragility to life, especially in 2020. I think there's a sense of like, just fucking go for it. Yeah, Who why cares? not? Who cares? We're on a Zoom chat and someone's cat's in the background. Let's go. Yeah. I think another um, thing that has helped me with imposter syndrome is A, realizing that people across the table from me are also feeling it, which is sort of that the equivalent of like giving a speech and imagining everyone naked. Like it's that right. kind of thing where it's just like an equalizer. But two, it's kind of this sense of like kind of what you said, I guess, like I will regret it if I don't give my all. So if I'm going to regret it, like, why don't I just be present in this moment <laughs> and right, do the right, best right. I can? You know, one time, uh, our friend Dave Levinson, who I've now probably mm-hmm. mentioned, I, I think like three weeks in a row, he probably doesn't remember this, but like years ago I was talking to him and I, I think I had a meeting with someone or I was having some problems writing or something like that. And the conversation turned into such basic, like writing 101. And I remember him just being like, Josh, you know what you're doing, like you know how to write, you know something like that. And if for some reason it just kind of hit me, where I was like, oh, yeah, I do know what I'm doing. Okay, I'm good. Like, thanks, man. Like, you just sometimes need to be reminded that you can do what you're trying to do. If that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. A big part of imposter syndrome is us telling ourselves we can't actually do the thing that we are born to do, like <laughs> that we know yeah. we we can do. Uh, that's why it's evil and it's terrible. But you can defeat it. You can defeat it. It's like Voldemort. So um, under the umbrella of imposter syndrome, I want to kind of talk about confidence for a second. And the difference between confidence and ego, in particular, if you're writing a project, and let's say you uh, have a spec, or if you're giving uh, a draft to producers, and that those producers challenge your vision, and they say, you know, we don't like this. But in your mind, you you just love it. And I guess there's a very fine line between having that ego and you're just kind of sticking to your vision and maybe you're going to upset the producers or, you know, whatever the case, or having the confidence to stick with your vision. Do you see what I'm saying? It basically comes from two different areas. It's like the confident area and the ego area. Are you able to pinpoint the difference between the two when you're in it? Yeah, I think confidence is more related to kind of having a belief in what you've done. And egos a little bit more rooted in like insecurity about what's going on, I think. And more times than not, I feel like if people start calling you out, you kind of get in this defense mode and your ego kind of takes over. 
like, this is the only vision that could happen with this project. And you just start arguing about it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's really well said. I think ego very much comes from a place of fear. I know when in times where I've fought back about notes, which is very rare because, again, I'm extremely insecure. So I automatically <laughs> assume what you're saying is right. Um, but when I have fought back, it's been from a place of like, various versions of fear. Like one could be, oh fuck, I don't want to have to go back and revise this whole thing. I'm going right. to fight for this to prove that it's right so that I don't have to go do that work because it's so hard. Right. To convincing myself that the reason why they have this note is because I am a bad writer. And if this note is real that they're giving me, then that's just proof that I'm a bad writer. And so I react. Um, so that's very much ego versus confidence, which is what you were saying is more of a strong belief in the work versus believing that it's attached to who you are. Yeah. So a quick story. One time I was writing a passion project that with my manager, Jay-Z, and we had, we had just gotten done working on something and he was like, Hey, you know, we were just talking about ideas and what to work on next. And I landed on a, like a very uh, like a, you know, a passion project, a project that was very close to me. And as you know, I kind of go outside the box and I'm not really, um, like I like to kind of stuff emotions into big stories. It's not really personal stories to me. It's just kind of, you know, they're hidden in there. My, big fun my adventures with a heart. There you go. And I remember kind of coming to him with this passion project and he gave me notes on it. And I remember getting incredibly defensive. And I was like, why am I getting so defensive on this? Cause I'm never like this. Like usually I listened to his notes and they're really always great. But in this case, it was like, no, this is how it has to be. Boom, 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 boom. And I realized one, it was so close to me that I felt like no one could ever give me notes on it. And also it was just my ego because this was my story. There's no, no one's changing this. And, you know, you just, you kind of latch onto that. And I ended up not writing it because I said I was not emotionally prepared to do it. I was like, Jay-Z, I'm out. I can't do this right now. I'm backing out of it. I think this is too, this is a, uh, we're not going to see eye to eye. This is going to like wreck us. And I think he agreed with me. Oh, wow. Was it an outline that you gave him? Yeah, it was just a pretty extensive outline. That's interesting. Can I ask, because I have a similar story. So I'm curious, did you have a, have a really strong sort of vision for what it should look like that he was disagreeing with? Was he trying to change like the DNA of the idea or was he just saying, Hey, let's talk about it and work it out. And you're like, no, like it, there's no working out. It's exactly what's in the outline. That's it. You know, th that's how I was. It was all my ego. Like, and there, you know, I made some judgments about certain characters and I was like, no, this character can't be different. This person has to be doing this. This person, you know, these characters can't change. This is set. And I'm sure his notes were great. I don't really remember what they were, but he was just probably trying to make me open up the story a bit, but yeah, it was, I was just not receptive to it. Do you feel like you would give earlier Josh a different advice going into that? If you could go back in time. I would have said, don't try to write a passion project. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd end up in the same place, just not doing it. Yeah, I would just, uh, I actually remember calling him and being like, hey man, here's the situation. I'm too close to this. I can't do this. And he's like, okay. Do you think you'll ever write it? Uh, no, not that one. This story ended sadly. I, well, uh, Yeah. What's your story? <laughs> I guess my story is also sad. I, 
I had, I was so excited about this one idea and I didn't really have an outline. It wasn't that fully fleshed out. I had a very clear vision for the opening, which was fucking cool. And then I knew thematically what I wanted to deal with, which was this like really great kind of pertinent theme that I really believed in about uh, morality and judgment, how we see people and who cares? Like I'll figure out how to get there, but this is what I'm doing manager. And she was yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't understand your theme and I don't understand how this story is an example of that theme. And she started like throwing out ideas of what I could do. And I was like, no, Oh my God, no, I don't, none of that is good. Like, I don't like any of that. None of that is fitting in with my vision of what this should be. And there was so much back and forth. And she really genuinely tried to work with me to find out, to like suss out why I was so passionate about this idea. And I think I just couldn't express it or articulate it. Which in her view, and this is often the case with people who are not writers, if you cannot articulate it to someone, they feel like you haven't figured it out and it's dead. So either go do some more work or like kill it and work on something else. Whereas I feel like as a writer, sometimes something is very just nebulous in your head and not until you get through a couple drafts even is it going to really present itself. And so I... This is also a sad story. I never ended up like fully committing to that idea. And it's still just like a shitty outline on my computer somewhere um, because I just didn't have the confidence anymore that I could pull off this story. Wow. It sounds like you had the confidence with some great opening and great themes. No? She tore me down, man. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you know if your ego, if you're a writer, how do you know if your ego is like becoming a problem in your career? Is there any way to know? Do you just need people to tell you? I I bet it's like if you find yourself being combative with people and that's a frequent uh, situation for you, like that's a that's a common dynamic in the in various people that you work with, then there's probably an ego situation. Because if it was confidence, you're not going to be butting heads in that same kind of brazen manner. And I think there's one story, for example, with a with a pilot of mine and I was working on with the producer where she kept giving me the same note and I would ignore it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually like when you ignore a note, a producer would be like, OK, they didn't really like that note, so I, I won't bring it up again. Or sometimes they'll just keep bringing it up. And in this case, she just kept bringing it up. And I kept trying to politely not address it. And then finally had to be like, I'm not doing it. I don't don't agree with it. I think that my version is better and it's going to work. Just trust me. And she she usually does. But in this case, she was like, I'm not going to trust you. I don't think this is right. And I had to like go home and be like, am I being egotistical about this? Or am I being properly confident about this? Because at the end of the day, you are the writer, you have those instincts where someone else doesn't. But Mm -hmm. if you continually get the same note, you have to sit back and be like, okay, is it ego or confidence? And I tried a version that was what she wanted it to be, mostly to just like get her off my fucking back. And it was great like it was way better than my version and i learned a huge lesson about like because the the scene was two characters talking in a room and she was like this is not interesting and i'm like i'll make it interesting because the dialogue (laughs) is going to be epic and she's like no i mean as good as you can do with with dialogue like it's still not interesting and um, so I changed it. I, I had stuff going on in the scene and there was a movement and it was dynamic and it just made it way better. She was right. Um, but again, I knew that there was something wrong when she kept yeah. giving me the note and I had to reflect. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's a really good point. When you're combative and arguing with people over and over, if it happens to you multiple times, then you might be the problem. Yeah, I think that's that's the key. I actually knew someone who was very combative with uh, reps over and over again. And he was going through different agents and different managers, and he was a really good writer. And every time I would talk to him, he would always kind of tell me a story and always kind of blame the reps. And at, like the first and second time, the first and second time I was with him, I believed him. I was like, you know, yeah, it was probably them. And then by like the fourth time, I was thinking, I think it's you, man. I think it's you. And that's the <laughs> ego right there. You are the common denominator. Yeah. Real quick, I just feel like this is a actually is a really big topic to have because I do feel like ego and confidence can get in the way of a writer's successful career. Sometimes it's like the one thing getting in the way. Like people will, people talk to each other all the time. And if someone feels like you're a piece of shit to work with, you're always yeah. arguing, they're going to tell someone else and you're going to suddenly find yourself without work. No one wants to work with you. Yeah. That's actually really interesting because as a writer, you, you have to be very aware of it. You have well, like what you just said, you have to be very aware that people talk and if you're causing all these problems because of your ego, it's going to hurt you long-term. But that doesn't mean to be, you know, a, a yes man. Yeah, a pushover and just say, okay, okay, yes to everything because then you become a fucking pushover. No one wants that. No. And also another story about that. I do know a writer who fits that bill perfectly and they've had some successes. They've sold, they've actually sold scripts and, and gotten jobs at major studios but they've never ever gone further than like those first two jobs because mm -hmm. they will take every single note that's given to them and suddenly their script is just a hodgepodge of notes from people who aren't writers. And so, yeah, like there's definitely going the other extreme where you're a pushover and you're not trusting yourself to do the work of a creator. So there's a sweet middle ground <laughs> that you you're somehow right. need to find where um, just talking about notes, the notes process in particular, where you're taking notes, you're absorbing it, you're throwing out ones that don't work, that aren't good ideas, and you're you're trusting yourself to make the, the correct choices. So that's right. where confidence comes in. And then ego is saying, fuck you, none of your notes are good. And then lack of confidence is the other side where you take everyone's notes. So there's, again, it's experience and it's instinct, but finding that middle ground is the sweet spot for you as a writer. Yeah. I would also say that if you don't address some of these notes, have a reason why you didn't if someone questions you about it and have the confidence behind it and say, this is why X, Y, and Z. And it's not just some ego-driven thing where it's like, that's just not what I wanted. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Has lack of confidence in your writing ever made you make a bad decision? I think that's a really good question. I can't think <laughs> of any specific times where I felt that I went against what was correct writing wise yeah, um, in order to appease someone. Sure. But no, I can't think of any, do you have any specifics where you did something and you were like, why did I do that? I did it. Cause I'm, I was a pushover in that moment. Um, none that I can think of. I'm sure it's happened though. I've probably just blocked them all out of my memory. I think particularly early on and honestly like all the way through maybe just a couple years ago I have definitely been in meetings where producers would give me notes 
And I would panic for a second because I'd be like, oh, they're obviously right. And I'm wrong. And I need to figure out how to do what they're saying. But every Mm -hmm. time I'd go home and think about it, I would realize that like the root of their their thought or their note is right, but the, their stupid solutions aren't going to work. And my confidence comes back because I'm doing what I'm good at, which is figuring out solutions and writing. So I think that there's like there's moments of where lack of confidence in the room is like, oh, you're right. I will go do that producer X because you're so right and I'm so wrong. I'm just a stupid right. writer. And then you go home and you, you sort of deal with it and manage it in a better, more healthy way. Um, so there are moments in a room that I probably regret, (laughs) but it's never led to like making poor decisions in my actual writing as far as I can tell. And so then how, how much of going back to the smoke and mirrors, and I hope we're not jumping around too much between smoke and mirrors, confidence and ego philosophy episode, man. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's interesting because before we started you're, you're kind of like, why are we talking about this? Why do you want to talk about this? And I think you could sense that it might go all over the place. <laughs> it's <laughs> a really just... important topic, but it is kind of unwieldy because it's so general and it's just such a, like a general problem that we all yeah. have. It's a general problem we all have. Yes. Um, so how much of like smoke and mirrors and exuding Let's say you're this person who has no confidence whatsoever, but you're fully aware, I need to go go smoke and mirrors. How much of that do you think, like how often do you have to put that on? Like forever in the entertainment industry? Until it becomes real for you. I mean, I think fake it till you make it has worked for me (laughs) very well. Um, And you know what's interesting is I have you to credit for a lot of this because in very early days, you, were, you would always talk about how you talk with your hands and how how much it helps you. And you weren't necessarily saying that talking with your hands helps you with confidence, but I think for you, it like helps you be able to explain things better in a very Italian manner. Um, but hey. for me, I started using ha- my hands when I was pitching and there was yeah. something that happened, Josh. I don't know, like a weird click happened in my brain where like that suddenly created confidence. I think it just like created a, and like I'm doing it right now. It just created this yeah. energy within myself that was less like me sitting down, like kind of curled into myself with just my pitch sitting in front of me, pitching to people. And like, it yeah. forced me to, to sit up, like I raised my chest, like my, my hands were out, like I was engaging sure. with other people. And suddenly like that fake confidence, cause I was forcing myself to use my hands to talk actually helped me gain real confidence. So you solved my life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. Do you know how many people have told me some people I've like, thrown my hands in like around like people have called me out on it before but those hands keep flying I can't stop it never question it it's brilliant yes yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things where it's just who I am I just talk <laughs> with my hands I can't help it I think it's important because I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a room and pitched not getting the not gotten the job but the, the response is always like wow, you have such great energy. You pitch that with such confidence. And what they don't know is I have absolutely zero confidence in what I've just pitched <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm utterly terrified. <laughs> um, but you come in with this like fake air of confidence and it means so much to people. Like they, they very much respond to that. So this is an important conversation as kind of unwieldy and philosophical as it is. Um, it's definitely something that you should practice as a writer as much as you practice right. writing in many ways. No, I agree. 
And I think as a writer, you just have to be very self-aware. And I think a lot of writers are pretty self-aware, actually. But you have to be very aware of you're kind of getting in your own way. And if, you, if you're, you just, I, you have to do like that emotional check-in always with yourself as a writer. Just be like, am I on the right track? Am I like mentally just done? Because it happens to all of us where you get enough rejections, considering this entire industry is like rejection-based. And after a while, it just starts like beating you up, beating you up until you become either numb to it or you just go away. Yeah. Your I confidence mean, is always under attack in the entertainment industry. It really is. It's, it's why I think you have to actively think about it because I think you and I both know so many people who have left the business, tried to be a writer, couldn't do it because the rejection gets so hard and their confidence yeah. just disappears and their, their lack of confidence convinces them they can't do it, which... A lot of A-list writers, like I feel like John August and Craig Mazin have said this before, were like, they're only successful because they kept going. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge thing that keeps me going is that I don't have any better skills than anyone else, but I have this like grit. <laughs> like Even if you tell me I'm horrible, I will still keep going because I don't know what else yeah. to do. And I think, um, you know, building confidence as like an actual part of my repertoire as a writer the same way, again, like you would build your outlining skills or, you know, your how you write an act one, like having confidence as, as part of your toolkit, I think um, is a really big deal in this in this business to build a career. Wow. Every writer is probably going to struggle with it. <laughs> it's hard, guys. It's really hard. <laughs> you all um, know you're all suffering from it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know, I know plenty of writers, by the way, who completely shut down, like, like robots who are just powering down because their confidence is taken away from them. And I think if you're able to, to notice yourself doing that and then realize, A, every writer goes through that, but B, the writers who are successful push through that and write anyways, that is going to be a huge key to having a career. I agree. All right. Let me throw one more thing in, something I wanted to talk about. When we talked about reps earlier, managers and agents, there was a friend of ours, actually, who once told me that you need to manage your reps. He would say, you need to manage your managers and manage your agents. And I never understood what that meant. And I'm still maybe sometimes trying to figure it out. No, I think what's actually really interesting about connecting confidence to managing your reps is important because... I have often been in meetings with my reps where I'm like, all right, I'm going in and I'm telling them what I want and they're going to do it. <laughs> and this is going to like, I'm going to have a plan and I've written yeah. down all the things that I want to talk to them about that I want to make sure they're doing for me. And then like at the end of the meeting, I, I feel like a child, like I've yeah. just been completely like dressed down and not like they intend to do that. There's just something that happens with like the kind of personality that agents have or managers where there's just a sense like you're the little kid in the room and a big part of my growth and I'm definitely not there yet but I'm getting much better is that in those conversations with people who make me feel that way I like try I just try to hold my ground and try to be a presence I have my notes of what I want to address in this call or in this meeting and I make sure yeah. I go through them um, and it is it's so hard because again my default is imposter syndrome so as soon as someone like pokes a hole in my confidence I deflate and and go back to 
my default. Um, so yeah, confidence is definitely something you're going to have to work on with your reps as well. And in, it really comes up when you're like asking them to do something for you and you need them to do something for you for your career and they're not doing it. <laughs> and it's, a, I think yeah. it's a fight that every writer has experienced and that's not an ego thing. That's a confidence thing. Can we go back just one second? When you said you have your notes that you want to talk about, have you ever had notes in a meeting with your reps, like written out in front of you? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. These are, I'm speaking specifically to like um, back before pandemic era, we would have of course. like kind of quarterly meetings or twice oh, a year see. meetings, right? So it's like, those are the check-in meetings where I want to make sure that I tell them that I want to try to get a studio job and I want to try to get on a TV show. Like these are the, the yeah. things I need to tell them that I want. And then we need to have a discussion about how to get there. So I just have these topics essentially that I want to talk about. So I guess in conclusion with all of this, know what you want, have confidence. <laughs> so easy to say, <laughs> be aware of your ego. And just be aware that everyone is uh, possibly in the smoke and mirrors realm. Everyone's everyone. in the smoke and mirrors. No, I mean, I think everyone. I, that That's a big thing for me. What, and whenever I like listen to a panel of other writers, like A-list writers, I'm always waiting for that moment where they do lift the veil and reveal this vulnerable thing that they're actually in the middle of the smoke and mirrors act as well, <laughs> where like yeah. their confidence is fake. Like I want to know that because I want to know that if my confidence is fake, that's okay too. And I remember hearing, I think it was Craig Mazin talk about how he once was at a notes meeting, got a bunch of notes at some studio. So it was probably a huge table, a lot of people in suits, fairly intimidating for a little writer. And he was still Craig Mazin. He was still this, this big writer at the time. He got all these right. notes and he said, excuse me one second. And he left, went to the bathroom and puked and then came Whoa. back and then continued the meeting. <laughs> and <laughs> there's this, like, I remember hearing that story and being like, oh, thank God. Thank God oh, I'm not wow. the only one who panics and feels so beaten down in these notes meetings. Someone else also has anxiety problems too, and they're very successful. So um, yeah, smoke and mirrors is at every level. It's something that you have to learn how to actively manage and don't let it go by the wayside. It's, it's something to pay attention to. Wow, maybe we should get Craig Mazin on here to talk about that experience. <laughs> if it wasn't Craig Mazin who said that, I feel like I'm about to get sued. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> all right. Well, it may or may not have been. And no judgment, because we're all going to throw up at some point anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. Hit us with the quote of the day. This is about confidence. Hmm. Don't give up. You're going to get kicked in the teeth a lot. Learn to take a hit, then pick yourself up off the floor. Resilience is the true key to success. Melissa Rosenberg. If you'd like more real-life screenwriting chats, commiseration, tips, and tricks, check out our Instagram at Act2Writers. This podcast was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.